Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is going live soon, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now on to the show. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Tax Moves, Glenn Birnbaum. Yeah, you know, these the MSP payments, these trade aid payments, uh, was at a deep in ag summit conference a few weeks ago. I was talking to, you know, a number of farmers in the break. And, you know, the common question is, well, can I elect to take my money in 2018 here, but somehow for tax purposes, they don't defer that income until 2019. Um, and, and that question comes up, it's a good question because in certain cases, you can do that with crop insurance payments. And so we thought we'd maybe talk a little bit about that today. But the quick answer on the trade aid and the MFP payment is if you receive the check in 2018, it's taxable income in 2018. You cannot defer this payment until 2019. So that's the quick answer. But for crop insurance, generally speaking, if it's weather related, you know, a drought or something, and your your bushels are hard, right? So you're 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 receiving insurance because you have less bushels. That is eligible to be deferred. Because basically all you have to do is kind of prove that hey, normally I would I would not have, you know, sold my grain and taken the check until next year under my normal kind of business practice, right? And so just because the insurance company, you know, cuts me a check in December of 18 doesn't mean I have to record it as income. You can make a special election and defer it until 2019. So that's that's for yield, you know, for lost bushel. But if it's, you know, more of a insurance payment that's for the price, right? You've got some sort of guaranteed price kind of thing, you know, you're protecting your revenue overall then those type of payments, insurance payments, cannot be deferred. So for weather, for bushels, you can defer a crop insurance payment. If it's if the price, you cannot defer a crop insurance payment. Right. So, for example, you know, I know there was some lost bushels, you know, maybe in Missouri with drought, you know, things of that nature. Potentially some producer, you know, there could, could do this. But as a general rule of thumb, probably for this year, uh, probably can't defer too much of the crop insurance payment. But, you know, check with your insurance person, you know, understand how much is for you, how much is for price. Right. So do you have to, when you're doing your taxes, do you have to declare that payment as like this much was for yield, this much was for price? Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, if you can break that out I and mean, you could, you know, you, you'd have to document that you wouldn't actually, you know, necessarily attach that to the return, but you would have to have, you know, work papers that would support it. And it's, now, obviously, if you defer it, then you got to make sure you remember to, you know, recognize it next year, right? You know, don't, don't accidentally forget about it. But it's a special line on the Schedule F where you're, you're telling the IRS, hey, I received this money, but I'm elected to defer it. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, so that's crop insurance. Okay. Now, yeah, earlier in the week you had, or maybe it been last week even, you had a uh, yeah. tweet that you put out there about uh on farm equipment, uh, new, yes. new equipment. It's kind of funky, new equipment, seven year depreciation and, and, uh, yep. used as five. So even, yes. even the IRS was a little confused on their own. Even you know, the, yeah, this was, um, let me see if I got this right. It was, we had an in-house training session 
few weeks ago, and we, we told you know, our people, hey, we might should this, you know, make sure. But then the IRS finalizes their publication 225, which uh, publication 225 is what's called the farmer's tax. So that comes out on Friday, December 8th, I believe. Yes, Friday, December 8th. And I'm, on Saturday morning, I look at it, and would you believe the IRS is confused themselves? Because they do not even mention, on the very first page, you know, it says, what's new? Which is, you know, kind of a key part. And you read that section, and they say, what's new in 2018 is all farm equipment is now five-year life, which is wrong. Because it's only new farm equipment that's five-year life, and used farm equipment is seven year life. So on the very first page, it's wrong. About 20 pages back, it's wrong. And then there's a table that if you're really, really sharp, you might be able to interpret that maybe it's slightly referring to the fact that it's, there's a difference, but they're just flat out wrong. Uh, so I think you can change the publication. But you know, it's, it's because everything's so confusing, right? I mean, you know, they, they, you know, if the IRS is confused, what are, what are you know, taxpayers supposed to do? Right. But just you just have to realize that yeah, used farm equipment is still the old rules. A new farm equipment is a nice, is a lower life. It's five years now. So be careful. But if if you're electing to write off all the purchase price in the first year, right, either through section one seventy nine or now one hundred percent bonus depreciation, this really does not matter. Right. Right. If I write it all off, but if I'm if I don't want to take all that depreciation and I elect to depreciate it normally. Uh, there are going to be people, you know, doing it incorrectly. Um, so I, I don't know. I would hope the IRS can actually um, change this publication because it's not a draft publication. It was a final publication they posted out there uh, Friday, December. 8th. Yeah. Well, good thing all this fits on the back of a postcard. I'm, I'm, that's that's I'm, right. I'm excited it's all about. <clears throat> back of a postcard. Yep. Um, yeah. That's so yeah. That's long ways from that, right? Um, um, other things that have happened here since we last talked, it's been a little while, um, that we've talked a lot about the 199A rules, you know, this new 20% deduction. The proposed regulations came out in August. There was a hearing in October. Now the final 199A regulations, we haven't been able to see them yet, but we know they're at the Office of Management and Budget for like a kind of a review. Before they're released, and they were out there, and see, this number 14 is when they were posted out there. So, again, we can't read them, but people are saying, hey, this probably means, and I think we would hope that this means that they will be released by December 31st, just so we know what the rules are. Maybe we have a couple days to, to do something, but just so we know what the rules are. Because if they're not released till January of 19, then it's kind of confusing. You don't, do you have to follow these rules or not? You know, they don't really take effect until 19. So we've heard that they want to definitely by the end of the year, and they are at this last stage of review by the Office of Management and Budget. So likely these regulations will get finalized, hopefully. At least that's what I'm hoping for, just so we know what the rules are. Right. Uh, Interesting though, the, the 199 proposed regulation for the Grain Village FedEx, which we've obviously talked about, about this over the past few months, several months back into March, those have never actually been released yet. So we're not sure what's going on. They, they said, hey, we, we're not releasing these yet, but it's been, you know, again, since August, since the other rules were out, they have not issued any proposed regulations on this Grain Village FedEx. That's the deal with the co ops and things. So we're not sure why they wouldn't at least proposed regulations unless they're confused or there's some some technicality there's still a risk 
this. So that, that's a big surprise to me that we don't have at least proposed regulation on the Grand Village. So. Right. It's pretty bad when the guy that, or when the entity that is creating the tax laws is confused by their own laws. And it's how, yeah. you know. And then the other thing I just saw today, um, somebody else pointed out that, um, and this is a key thing we're really working with clients on is, you know, if you now trade off a piece of equipment, we've talked about this, but if you trade off a piece of equipment, it's as if you sold it. And it's not a terrible problem because, you know, you can now depreciate the full amount back, right? You can, you know, so in theory, you could be back to even on this, but one of the challenges is you could have a lot of income on what's called a 4797, and then you're going to have to show a loss on your schedule left to offset that. Right, so you're back to zero, but then you won't be able to make like a retirement plan contribution for yourself because you don't have any earned income. Because your earned income, your retirement plan contribution is based on your schedule F income, not your overall income. So we've talked about this, but this this uh, person pointed out that the IRS is wrong because it basically says you can't section one seventy nine trade anymore. These last years really you can't section one seventy nine old basis in the trade. You know, if you had leftover basis, but that rule just got blown up. So you can be in 179, something you traded off because there is no trade. So it's, it's not quite as bad of an error, but again, it's just showing the IRS isn't, you know, they've got a lot of work to do. I'm not saying, you know, I guess you're going to look, you know, use on the other foot, but you can't just last year's rules, right? You've got to look at every paragraph, make sure it's correct. And there's a few cases where they haven't updated the paragraph, but, but I just think it's, so particularly unfortunate that there's a section called what's new and they they re, they wrote this section right it's not just changing the section in the back it's what's new it's a paragraph and it's wrong it says you know all, all basically farm equipment is now five year life it's if it places there was 19 and that's just flat out wrong so, uh, it's it's a high high challenge but boy you'd like to think that you know this would get reviewed so that they don't confuse everybody so yeah is there have you read anything about the the machinery depreciation schedules being aligned with each other where new and used become the same or is that just is that like an unforeseen glitch on their end good question yeah you know it i looked back at some articles you know that were written you know in january and i didn't really see too many people point this out you know that there was a difference between new and used but if you go back to the code section now there's an actual code section which is what congress officially passed it does refer to it says it's five-year life but it says the original use of the equipment must reside with the taxpayer or something like that so if you kind of stop reading you know you might not catch that but it's got to be a you know the use has to start with the farmer you know, and that which means it's use so that it's very clear in the cut that, that was the case i'm not really sure why that was um it's the same life for everything, whether it's new or used. I'm trying to think a good question. If there's any other type of equipment that has a different life and it's new or used, I can't think of anything or a building or I mean, anything in my close to 20 year history is generally the same life, whether it's new or used. So Congress in their wisdom now has this tweet that says, hey, we'll make it five years new, which I assume would obviously incentivize people to buy new, you know. Um, but I think it's just not a typical thing that we have to deal with. So, you know, we get confused, even the IRS gets confused. But it is clear in the code that that's the rule. It's just, I don't think many people read it that way initially. So. Yeah. You'd think just because of depreciation uh, with the 179 stuff that they'd want to make both of those 
yeah. equal. You know what I mean? Because there's really yeah, no benefit exactly. one way or the other. You know, when you I always think they're thinking through it because if it's new, most people are going to run it 100 percent off anyway. Or right. you, I mean, it just it's kind of a moot point. Um, but you know, with with the way things work, right? If eventually bonus appreciation goes away, section 179 goes back to more normal levels. But this five year versus seven year rule is still right if we don't change that part of the deal. You know, so maybe they're thinking down the road 10 years or something. We still want to give a preference to you, but, but boy, that's, that's really playing the long game, you know, so yeah. it's going to confuse a lot of people in your terms, so. And the government does that so well. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but I, I could not believe that that publication was, was that, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, I just couldn't believe it was just blatantly wrong. I mean, yeah. it's, it's really kind of sad. Yep. Well, that is, smart, yeah. They're going to fix it. Well, that is. I mean, someone's gonna, someone's gonna, there's gonna be an accountant someplace that's quote unquote following the letter of the law, and they're gonna end up costing yep. the client a bunch of money because they yep. did what the IRS said they were gonna yep. do. You know, to do. I think you know, just thinking uh, the public, you know, it's a publication by the IRS, so it's not, you know, it's not the code, it's not regulation. There have been cases over the years where if somebody, you know, relied on a publication, and there's been cases where the publication is wrong. You know, and then the taxpayers get, you know, hit with penalties or something like that. The IRS says, hey, the publication is not authoritative. You know? So basically, we don't have any responsibility that our publication, you know, that's happened a few times on some court cases over the years. So it's, it's kind of sad when the IRS own publication, they don't, you know, they don't stand behind it. Yeah. We're not responsible for what we publish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, it's crazy. Anyway, so just be aware, you know, make sure you talk to your, your tax person or CPA. Uh, we're we're very busy right now working with you know various clients with tax planning and uh, just you know but if you hear something if you, know, you read something don't be afraid to mention your CPA you know because um, it, it really does take a team this time of year to make sure we're thinking of all the possibilities that there's just a lot of new changes out there so just really encourage communicating with with your tax professional right on. All right, Glenn, so plenty, like you said, plenty of stuff going on and obviously lots of things to pay attention to, you know, watch the watcher type deal. So if folks have a tax question or if they have an issue they would like to bounce off of you, how would they do that? Yeah, it's best to call our office here at Heidel Manorts. Uh, my phone number, 309-694-4251. Um, also, you know, follow me on Twitter at handle. Keep things fairly current there with, you know, the latest and what we're what we're seeing with our clients. So uh, those are two two of the best ways to reach out to me and be happy to talk to anyone as we, as we close in on a year end. Right. And if you're not following Glenn on Twitter, make sure you do that. Like you said, there's there's tons of stuff he puts out there, and then the replies and stuff he gets back from other CPAs, and they start yeah. They start yeah. talking tax stuff back and forth there on Twitter. Uh, it, you get some good stuff out of that. So make sure you make sure you follow Glenn. It's fun stuff, man. What else would you want to do than follow people talking about tax? I mean, I, I'm super jacked when I see it. Come on, Glenn. Yeah, I, can't, yeah. I can't retain myself. But, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Well, I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast, now part of the Global Ag Network. So, Glenn, till next week. Well, I guess later this week we're going we're gonna to touch base yeah, again. Touch, touch base again uh, later this week. And until uh, then, have a good rest of your week, and we'll talk to you then. Okay. Thanks, Casey. All right. Take care, bud. In the 21st century Hard-working people Working hard for you and me Moving higher Time and time again 
Cause you'll find us here 